All right, we're going to stay standing for the reading of God's holy word. Now this morning, we're going to be going through a lot of scripture texts, and I'm going to be firing them off quicker than usual. So it's okay if you can't turn to them as fast as I read them. Um, this is actually being recorded. You could always go back to that, and you can look, check up on me later as you look at all these different texts. But we're going to start in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 3. Only two verses, verses 14 and 15. And this is when Jesus first called his first apostles. So hear God's word to you this morning from Mark 3, 14 and 15. He appointed 12, designating them apostles, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Thus ends the reading of God's holy and errant word. May he bless it to our hearts and lives this morning. You may be seated. All right, now you may be seated. You know, they're going to think we were at the fish concert. That was when we did the tree part, I thought. But anyway, the, the band Fish is here, and they're playing three nights in a row. Yes, anyway. This is, I have three more sermons here. Isn't that crazy? Three I'll more times. Three more times. I'll be it. I will definitely, uh, I will definitely set a reminder to pray for you. Thank when you. When you go off to Italy. I, I appreciate that big time. So this is a very exciting time for me. I only have three more chances to hit you with God's word. You know, as I thought about it and I prayed about it, because what do you say your last three sermons, right? Um, I thought it would be appropriate to share with you all the truths that have been gripping my heart most recently. Wouldn't that make sense? The things that God has been working in my heart that I'm excited about, that I can't help but share with others. Um, and I guess to be more accurate, truths that haven't just gripped my heart for the first time, but sometimes re-gripping my heart, right? Things that I knew in the past, but I kind of walked away from, not walked away from, just kind of lost uh, my focus. And one of those truths, and we're not going to be talking about today, but it's a related truth, so I want to start off with this. One of those truths is the fact, and this is a heavy fact, especially if you've been walking with Jesus for any amount of time, that the lion's share of our salvation in Christ won't be fully realized until the life of the world to come. That means most of our salvation, literally most of it, is not yet. It's still coming. It's important to remember as we walk on this pilgrim journey. The Bible calls us pilgrims. Sojourners. I like that word, the old-fashioned word. Because in this life, what? We face persecutions. We face disappointment, right? When we pray and we cry for one another, we mourn with each other. This world's filled with disappointment. It's filled with sorrow. It's filled with sadness. John Calvin once wrote this. No one will calmly and quietly submit to bear the cross except those who have learned to seek their happiness beyond this world. It's a fact. It's going to be hard to bear the cross if we're expecting all our happiness to be in this world. Does that make sense? In the last few years, especially folks who come to New City regularly, both Pete and I, we preach these Truths, this truth about uh, the future, uh, the life of the world to come, from the whole book of Genesis. You remember we went through that whole book. I couldn't believe that. 
uh, from the books of 1 Peter and 2 Peter. Lots of stuff about how God um, has salvation waiting for us. It won't perish, it won't fade. It's waiting for us in heaven with Jesus. Um, and of course, the book of Hebrews is filled with talking about the life of the world to come. But there's a corresponding truth to that truth that really hit me when Pete and I were preaching through the book of Genesis. And it was a truth that it really felt like it jumped out off of the pages of Scripture and slapped me on the side of the head. It got Jersey with me. <laughs> I want to mention this, and then I'll tell you what it is. Keep you in suspense for a minute. The writer of the book of Hebrews points out in chapter 11 of his letter that Isaac, that Abraham, Isaac, Jacob did not receive the things promised, quote unquote. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance and they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. Isn't that crazy? They didn't receive everything now. They admitted, no, we're, this isn't our home. We're, we're journeying home. We're not there yet. We're not home yet. And then, of course, it says in 11, verse 16 in Hebrews, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. All right, so now here comes the big reveal for me. As I work through these texts, as I work through the book of Genesis, um, I found myself asking this question. I know the patriarchs, meaning Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I know their faith was mainly looking forward. But what spiritual blessings did they have here and now? Was there anything that they enjoyed here and now? Since like the bulk of their salvation, they're waiting for it. What do they get now? I mean, believe me, as a pastor, I get that question an awful lot, asked in different ways. And then as I studied and I meditated on the text, like I said, it slapped me upside the head. You know what they get? Listen, this is important. You know what they get? God. They get God himself. Think about this. They get fellowship and friendship with the good shepherd as they walked on this pilgrim journey through many dangers, toils, and snares. They get God. Now listen. Book of Genesis. Remember I was talking about Genesis talks about this interesting figure that we don't hear a lot about. Maybe you've heard of him. His name is Enoch. And it tells us Enoch walked with God 300 years. And then he was no more. <laughs> because God took him. What did Enoch have in this life? We don't know if he was rich or poor. It doesn't tell us much about him. But we know one thing. He had God. In case you didn't know it, you know, and then the next guy you all know, Noah, right? Remember Noah, the ark, the rain, all that? Well, you know what it says about Noah? He walked with the Lord. A simple concept, but what an incredible privilege to walk with the Lord. And then, I often cry about this text. There were some people getting all uppity about, why has Moses got to be the one? How about us? You want to get God, God's attention the wrong way? All of a sudden, God spoke. And he said, I've spoken to other people in dreams. 
I've spoken to other people in other ways, but with Moses, I've spoken face to face as friend to friend. That's the intimacy. What did Mo look, Moses never got to go to the promised land. Right? Isn't it, doesn't it bug anybody else? You read all this stuff, all this stuff Moses did, he's got to go, all right, go ahead, you get to go with it. I got to stay here. But you know what Moses had? Say it. God. God. Amen. He walked with the Lord. And then I think of that text in Micah. We all love the quote here at New City. What does the Lord require of you? Love mercy. Do justly. But what's that last line? Walk humbly with God. That's what God wants. God doesn't want our money. He doesn't need our talents. He doesn't need our charisma. He actually, and this is the mind blower, wants you. He wants you. These folks from the scriptures who lived before us, they knew this truth expressed by Vance Havner from personal experience. As all those who walk with Jesus know, listen to this wonderful phrase uh, from Vance Havner. I am a pilgrim and a stranger on earth. But then he adds, but I am not an orphan. You get that? This morning I want to share with you one of the lessons from God's word that you don't just learn once and then tuck away, thinking maybe someday I'm going to need it again. You know those kind of things that you sing and then your wife says, Sam, what the heck, you don't ever use it then, give it away. And so I give my three-hole puncher away from Pete and then that next day I need it. <laughs> so yeah, where, where's Katie? I'll be over her house soon this week because I need it again. But this truth isn't like that. You don't forget about it for a long time and then maybe you use it again. This is going to be a truth but you're going to need daily until you see Jesus face to face. And here's the truth. It's a simple message. It's a little bit different than the way I normally preach. But it's from my heart to your heart from the Word of God. And I want you to see this. Enjoying communion with Jesus is where the Christian journey began. It's how it is to continue. And it is where it culminates. It's where it ends. That's how we started. That's how God wants us to keep going. And that is actually the prize at the end. So let's take a look at these three things. Enjoying fellowship with Jesus is where our journey began. I want to start there. We looked at that text in Mark 3 where Jesus appointed his apostles. And I just want to read that one part again. That they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and have authority to drive out demons. Notice the very first thing in this text that Jesus calls his disciples to. Did you see it in the text? It says this, first and foremost, to be with him. Did you catch that? Before calling them to preach, which we know the apostles were preachers, before calling them to free these poor souls who were demon-possessed, he simply called them to this most basic, simple thing that even a child can understand, to be with Jesus. To spend time with him, to be in his presence, to walk with him, to eat with him, to interact with him. And so 1 John, when he's ready to say, that which my, our hands have touched, our eyes have seen, 
And you know, that's how our Christian journey started as well. Jesus called us to trust in Him and to be with Him. We're not drone workers. You know, we're not those white things that nobody ever sees their face. I don't even get what do those helmets do anyway? But I don't know. But we're not those things. We're not worker bees. In our case, we came to know Jesus after his death and his resurrection and his ascension. The apostles knew him before that and then after that. So for us, we came to realize, listen to this, this awesome truth that Jesus, because the Father and his love sent him, took the wrath of God that our sins deserve upon himself so that we could be justified in his sight. And we've talked so much in this church about that great truth that we are justified, what? By grace alone, it's a gift. Received by faith alone, not by works. In, not any other mediatory person, but in Christ alone. Can I get an amen? amen. But here's the point that we miss, and, and it's sometimes it's my fault, a culpa mia, and that's this. There was a specific purpose for this. And you know what that purpose is? That we might be restored into communion and fellowship with God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In order, in other words, listen to this. This was profound to me. I don't know if it is to you or not. But rescue from the wrath to come is not the end game. Often we think, hallelujah! And then we you know, praise the Lord, sing a song, go home. No. The end game is just beyond wrath. The end game is restored fellowship with God. That's the point of it. So God and, I, and us, we could be friends again. That's the point. So we can again, my, one of my very favorite phrases in all the Bible, it talks about how the Lord God came in the cool of the day. So Jesus did that, so once again we can grab God's hand or he can grab ours and we can walk with him in the cool of the day. First Peter puts it this way. Peter puts it in 1 Peter 3.18. For Christ died for sins once for all. There it is. Propitiation. Uh, sacrifice for our sins. The righteous for the unrighteous. But here's the end. Here it is. To bring you to God. That's why he did this. To bring you to God. That's the present blessing that we're guaranteed on this side of glory. If we trust in Jesus, we have been brought back to God. Now, for the new convert, because I remember this in my life, the greatest joy of salvation is to be brought into intimate fellowship with the Father through the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. So listen, when I was a new believer, I got myself in trouble all the time. Because when I read scripture, God was so real to me and he would talk to me through the script, the pages of, of the writing that I would be talking to people. I'd say, yeah, the Lord told me this and the Lord told me that. And they were all like. <sighs> and I soon, as the years went by, I got tired of being, you know, annoyed by people who would say, you know, ha ah, ha, the Lord talked to you. Blah, blah, so I stopped using that language. But you know what? It was appropriate. Because that's the relationship I have with him. I'm not talking about I heard voices. I'm talking about he spoke to me intimately through his word. It was a relationship. 
We shouldn't be ashamed of that. Because listen, prayer, above all things, is spending time talking to your Savior and Lord. Well, all the other theological definitions don't miss that that's what prayer is. It's talking to Jesus. Talking to the Father. Bible reading, meditating, memorizing, and studying is what? It's taking the time to listen to God's voice. What do you have for me today, Father? I'm listening. Speak, as Samuel said. Your servant is listening. It's not just formal religious acts that we engage in out of mere duty. What is the great object of the new believer? When I was first saved, I know this in my heart, I wanted to know him more. I wanted to trust him more. I wanted to love him more. I wanted to praise him more. I didn't have enough time in a day to say thank you, Jesus, for rescuing me from the wrath to come and for calling me to be your friend. Thomas Watson once put it this way. It should be our great design not only to have the ordinances of God, but the God of the ordinances. The enjoyment of God's sweet presence here is the most contented life. He is a hive of sweetness, a magazine of riches, a fountain of delight. Amen? You know, we always talk about the grace of God, the grace of God. But the beautiful thing about the grace of God is the God of grace. So the joy in the journey, listen up, is Jesus. God himself. Now we knew this when we first began our pilgrim journey by, in walking by faith with God. J.C. Ryle says this, listen. The world is full of sorrow because the world is full of sin. <laughs> Makes sense. It is a dark place. It's a lonely place. It is a disappointing place. The brightest sunbeam in it is a friend. Friendship halves our troubles and doubles our joys. Now, what could be greater than having the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the crucified one who has now risen and ascended as your friend? Jesus, what a friend for sinners. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Hallelujah, what a friend. So that's how we began. Secondly, enjoying fellowship with Jesus is how our journey is meant to continue. And that's the real message I want to talk about this morning. Because this is what happened. Time's, time goes by. And tell me, saints who have been walking with Jesus for a while, this isn't true. Studying word, the Word of God for knowledge takes the place of studying God's Word to know Him better. Yes. Come on now. Give me a witness. Prayer becomes a way of getting things from a distant God that you barely know anymore instead of pouring your heart out to your nearest and your dearest friend. So we continue to go through the motions of serving God without taking time to worship God. We keep on up our duties at work, at church, and at home, but we fail to delight in Jesus and take pleasure in walking with him in the cool of the day. For the Christian, that's equivalent of stopping to smell the roses. 
And then we wonder why the glittering, sparkling pleasures of this world look so enticing. And even as believers, we fall for the mirage of worldly oasises that promises us satisfaction and then lies because we come away empty or worse. And then here's the worst thing I've noticed in my life that happens to me when I begin to not even realize it, drift away from that intimacy with the Lord. Is I began to demand that everyone around me fills the hole in my heart that only God can fill. Jonathan Edwards once put it this way. The enjoyment of God is the only happiness with which our souls can be satisfied. Fathers and mothers, husbands, wives or children, or the company of earthly friends are but shadows. But enjoyment of God is the substance. These are but scattered beams, but God is the sun. These are but streams, but God is the fountain. I love this one. These are but drops, but God is the ocean. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? All this is to simply say, okay, okay, where does Scripture say this? Okay, Psalm 62, verse 1. My soul finds rest in God alone. You see that? My salvation comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. That's God. That's his word. John Bunyan. Uh, he wrote Pilgrim's Progress, by the way, in case you don't know who he is. And many other works, by the way. He said this thing that when I first read it really shook me. He that forgets his friend is ungrateful to him. But he that forgets the Savior is unmerciful to himself. Isn't that powerful? I think it's powerful. The point I'm making, my brothers and sisters in Christ, is that, of course, when we wander from Jesus and his word by sinning, we need to repent and draw near to God, of course. And we need to cry out like King David did in our prayer we prayed uh, earlier, restore to me the joy of your salvation, amen? But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about doing the things God tells us to do with, without actually purposefully and intentionally drawing near to Jesus through them. We need to stop. Listen, this is where I'm going to start preaching. We need to stop saying our prayers. And instead, we need to talk to Jesus heart to heart. We need to resist the urge to study the scriptures as an end in themselves. And instead, let them draw us into to intimate communion with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, so that we know Him more, we love Him more, we trust Him more. That's why God gave us the Bible, by the way. So we would know Jesus and trust Him and have a relationship. We need to guard against promoting the doctrine of justification by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, while all the while neglecting the very point of that doctrine, which is to restore us into the fellowship of God that we might, listen, glorify and enjoy Him forever. That's the end of forgiveness of sins and having Jesus' righteousness credited to our account and becoming right with God that we might now 
glorify and enjoy him. Now that word enjoy God gets some people a little nervous. But didn't we just read it earlier in our, our um, prep for worship? Delight yourself in the Lord. Notice that? Delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. James Montgomery Boyce once said this, The reason many apparent Christians do not delight in God is that they don't know him very well. And the reason they don't know him very well is that they don't spend time with him. That's not rocket science, right? Enjoying fellowship with Jesus is not just how our journey started, but that's how God meant for it to continue for all of his children. How many times has, does God exhort us in his word to draw near to him? I did a little study on this, and believe me, I won't keep here for the two hours it would take. I'm going to give you just a little sample. When we're spiritually thirsty, Jesus says in John 7, 37, come to me and drink. What an awesome invitation. Come. It's free. What's stopping you? When we're weary and burdened, can I get a witness? You know, those of us who lived through the whole COVID time, boy, we'll always be telling our children, grandchildren, friends, you know, right? Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. Matthew 11. When we're in trouble, God's word says in James, pray. Anyone in trouble? Pray. Talk to God. When we're, when we're happy, guess what? James says, sing songs of praise. <laughs> so whether you're sad, whether you're, or whether you're happy, come to God. He's waiting. When we're in need of mercy and grace, anybody in need of mercy and grace? I'm in need of it right this second. This is the great thing we hear from God's word approach the throne of grace with confidence now I want you to understand something when, when you hear the words throne, throne of grace at least a lot, of a lot of times I think of this incredible heavenly throne right with gold and diamonds and sapphires and it's just this mighty this is a figure of speech not for the throne but for the one who sits on the throne Jesus made a living way through his body, the curtain, when he died on the cross for us, so we have free access to the throne, which means to the Father. And God says, come confidently. And one last one. Because sometimes as Christians, we really blow it. We mess up. We sin. And you would think God would be like angry with his arms crossed, right, his eyebrows down. And instead, what does James say? Come near to God. And guess what he's going to do? He'll come near to you. If you're not close to God anymore, who moved? Paul Tornier once said this, Our task is to live our personal communion with Christ with such, such intensity as to make it contagious. Listen, you don't have to be afraid of evangelism anymore. If you're living in tight communion with God, people are going to be like, whoa, turn it down. Where have you been? Remember Moses when he came off the mountain after seeing God? They were like, ah, cover that. So Michael Card once wrote a song, and it was called, There is a Joy in the Journey. 
Brothers and sisters, Jesus is that joy. Let's not miss him because we're being too religious. You with me? Last point. Shorter than all the others, you'll be glad to know. Enjoying fellowship with Jesus is not just where our journey began, where it's meant to continue, but ultimately, that's where it leads. Where is this all going? Listen. The gospel is such music to the sinner's ears because it brings us into sweet fellowship with the one who loved us and gave himself for us. Heaven is heaven. Listen, I want you to hear this. Not because of the landscape. As beautiful as it undoubtedly will be. Heaven will be heaven because Jesus is there. That's what makes heaven heaven. And the Bible says those who trusted in him, in, with him, in him will reign with him for eternity. Now think about this. I often think about this. You know, when you go to funerals, unfortunately, and the people didn't trust in God, they completely rejected Jesus. And people will say that he's in a better place. You know, and I just kind of don't say anything. I'm like, please don't ask me. Please don't ask me. But I often think of this. Why on earth would anyone want to go to Jesus' domain, to his house, to the new city that's filled with his glory, his people, his righteousness, and where everyone joyfully does his will from the heart if they rejected him and all he stands for in this world? Why in the world would you want to go to heaven? No, what, paradise make, what makes paradise paradise is that Jesus will be there no longer in his humiliation, but in all his splendor, in all his power, and in all his glory. And when we see everybody and everything bowing down, that is the joy of our hearts. Because worthy, worthy, worthy is the lamb who was slain. The real treasure of the life of the world to come. The real prize that awaits all of those who, as the Bible says, long for his appearing. Do you long for his appearing? The real treasure is going to be him. Having fellowship with him. Listen. Unbroken fellowship with no sin to mess you up. Just all the time, pure, good, holy fellowship. We can only dream of that in this life. But it'll be a reality there. Petra in their song, um, Road to Zion, puts it this way. It always hits me. I don't care if I repeat myself. Sometimes it's good to look back, back down. We've come so far. We've gained such ground. It's good to look back at your Christian walk and see how faithful God has been. Amen? And reminisce. I do a lot of that reminiscing. My wife's always like, what are you doing looking in those memory keepsake things again? But they add this. But joy is not in where we've been. Joy is who is waiting at the end. He's there. He's waiting. So people often ask us, I'm going to close with this. People often ask us at New City Fellowship, what's your end game? And I used to say, well, our end game is Matthew 28. Make disciples, right? And we want to bring people to Christ, disciple them, equip them, and then send them out to minister to others. Amen. Amen. 
But that's not the end game. That's only a means to the end game. I'm going to read a passage from Revelation 21, then we're going to close. Here's the end game. The end game of all end games. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Boy, I hope you're not living for that one, because that one's going to be passing away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. I don't care where, I don't know. And I don't care where you are in your life right now. But now is the time to come to Jesus. Whether if it's for the first time, you never really closed with Christ, you never really accepted His invitation, you never said, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins, and I receive you, and I rest upon what you did on the cross alone to make me right with God and God's, make me God's friend. Or whether, like me, at times, I kind of lost my way. And I forgot the whole purpose of salvation. Don't even wait another minute. We don't do this a lot here in our church. But I'm going to ask you to bow your head. And I'm going to ask you to come to Jesus. Take up His invitation. If you're weary, come to Him for rest. If you're thirsty, come to Him for spiritual drink and satisfaction. If you've been wandering, come to Him to be made right again. But let's quietly pray. And let's come to Jesus. And then I'll close this in prayer. Lord Jesus, I preach this message, but it's for me. Forgive me for working for you and not slowing down to be with you. Forgive me for preaching the gospel, wonderful gospel of your grace, and forgetting the, the very end of it, which is to commune with you and enjoy you and glorify you. Lord, we humbly come because you invite not the righteous but sinners. And that we can all admit we are. Lord Jesus, forgive us for not realizing the great privilege of being called your friend. 
And we thank you that you are the greatest friend we ever will have. It's in your name we pray. Amen.